Alrighty everyone, welcome back! This is Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, bringing you another episode of Monday Madness on February 28th, 2023. I know February is a short month, but feels like we are absolutely racing through 2023. Perhaps it's just the way things go as we get older ourselves, or perhaps it's the exhausting news cycle that seems to spin up headlines faster than you can say World War III. If it's not that, it's a Chinese spycraft, UFO, train derailment, or infrastructure centralized explosion. At this point, I can't be sure if algorithms have hit the engagement jackpot or if industrial nuclear fires are really just that frequent. The more I talk to folks around me, the more it seems to be a blend of all factors considered. It really seems like we've worn out the terms unprecedented and once in a lifetime in the 2020s, and we are just over three years into the decade. But enough focus on the negative. This isn't the rare pessimist podcast, but rather the rare petro. So let's direct our attention to stories and statistics within the realm of energy, starting with commodity prices. Last week, WTI swung about as high as $77 per barrel to as low as $74. The movement was quite dramatic and volatile with multi-dollar movement in a matter of hours. It finished last week on a high note, well, high relative to the weekly lows, and opened up this morning around 76 bucks. Unfortunately, early movement has been primarily downward, so we may see price action well, that is relatively similar to last week. The $80 ceiling may not be as close as you expected or as it was in recent weeks, but ultimately, it's not that far away either. Brent maintains a steady $6 to $7 premium as the spread holds relatively constant with identical price movement. For some unknown reason, natural gas has decided to increase in price after reaching a price of less than $2, albeit very briefly, for the first time since 2020. Since then, it has absolutely blasted off, climbing as to where it sits now at about $2.70. Keep in mind that movement like this is not guaranteed to continue for any given amount of time, so it could just be as volatile in the other direction. Either way, this price movement makes much more sense to me, so I'm not exactly sure as to what served as the catalyst for this increase. Ultimately, we have a relatively stable oil price and a predictably volatile natural gas price, and I personally am excited to see what movement we can witness in the next week. Next up is the rig count. Unfortunately, we are looking at a 7-rig decrease, leaving us with 753 rigs, which is still 103 rigs more than we had this time last year. The largest losses by Basin were found in the Granite Wash and Haynesville, which each lost two. Otherwise, the Arcoma Woodford and DJ lost one rig each. On the bright side, the Ardmer Woodford, Canna Woodford, and Permian each gained a rig. State-by-state -state statistics show that only one state is up, and that state is Pennsylvania, with a three-rig gain. Colorado's down one. California, New Mexico, and Oklahoma lost two rigs each. West Virginia brings up the rear with a three-rig loss, which is a 20% decrease for them. The laid-down rigs were mostly tasked with drilling horizontal oil wells. Not an excellent count for the week, and it certainly seems like we've leveled out from the rebound response to 2020. Lastly, of course, is the inventory report from Nick Fernhout. He posts an excellent analysis complete with visualized data and a lovely cocktail recipe each week to www.rarepetro.com and I highly recommend you give it a peek. Here's what you may have missed. You won't need to even read this report soon with all of these builds. This week it is a 7.6 million barrel build according to the EIA. 
Nick wagers that next week we will see an 8.3 million barrel build. Yes, we are back to Nick making bets on the inventory data. So come back next week to see if he hit it. The API reported a somewhat higher build than the EIA at nearly 10 million barrels. While both builds aren't quite as large as last week, they're still quite a decent size when compared to several months ago. When will the first draw happen? After more than two months of straight builds, the market seems due for one. The main reason behind the 60 million barrel cumulative build this year is reduced refinery output, stunting the volume of oil that can hit the market. Nothing new on the gasoline price front, they're still relatively flat, slightly down on the week. Gasoline stocks, on the other hand, have finally changed direction. They've crested the peak now and show signs of declining. If the five-year range is to be trusted, we can expect gasoline stocks to drop for a while now. Prices are down three-tenths of a cent, which is nothing to get excited over. Hawaii, California, and Nevada are all up there with the most expensive gas in the country. Colorado is making its case, though, and if the refinery here in Colorado doesn't get back online soon, we may have to take over the lead in a few weeks. Diesel dropped seven cents this week. At this rate, we'll reach last year's normal prices in, well, a few years. <laughs> if rising distillate stocks are going to continue on their path, we may indeed see diesel cheapening at a quicker rate. Propane and propylene remain within their five-year range. And again, that's just a real quick synopsis. Nick puts together these excellent reports. There's a lot more to it. Go to rarepetro.com to figure it out. But otherwise, thank you, Nick. Now, we move along to our news stories. It has been a while since we talked about Pemex on this podcast, so it is unfortunate that it returns in a negative light. If you've been tuned into the news, you may have heard about a refinery fire or two. Or three. Yeah, that's right. Three refinery fires last week that resulted in many injuries and two deaths. To add a comical insult to injury, they just released their Q4 2022 results, which reported $9.4 billion in losses, which was triple the previous quarter. This does not bode well for Pemex, who has had declining oil output for three years in a row now. At this point, you might be thinking, hey, at least it can't get any worse, and I would be inclined to say that you are in fact wrong. Their debt climbed to $107.7 billion at the end of 2022, and you can expect $8 billion to mature this year. In a time period where other large EMP companies are posting large and maybe even record profits and improving their relationship with debt, Pemex has spent the years moving the opposite way. President Obrador highlighted Pemex and the potential it held for helping the country achieve huge economic growth and has somehow ultimately failed in that time despite throwing $45 billion in capital injections and tax breaks to the state-owned agency. While this is a nasty soup of significant problems, they likely will not be addressed until current fires are dealt with. That being, talks with Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan to offer financing for outstanding debt. I can't be sure what type of deals are striking up, but I can imagine that these banks may be gaining more control than Mexico currently has, though control isn't exactly a word you would find in the same sentence as Pemex these days. Time will show just how they bounce back, or if they bounce back, from these fires in an already tough financial spot. Our next story revolves around Russia. They expect to add additional pressure to Western Europe through another announcement of production cuts. While Russia already announced a 5% production cut for the start of March, they are now considering further production cuts up to 25%. Of course, this serves to raise cruise export revenues for Russia, but there's no guarantee the plan will work the way Putin might want it to. 
Any decreased supply will certainly boost oil prices, but the benefit is not likely to be observed in the short term. Yes, they will be selling at a higher price, but potentially 25% less in volume. In my own personal opinion, this tells me that Russia is not looking to end the conflict with Ukraine anytime soon and needs to improve long-term financials to make sure they aren't just pushing all of their production westward for too small a price. Again, this is my personal take on the situation, though many news outlets claim it's more of a retaliation against sanctions from Europe. Whichever way you cut it, know that Russia lost 15 million in the last week of 2022, as the sanctions did push exports lower than at any other point in the year. I'm quite surprised at the effect they're having, but there's still plenty of demand for Russian crude, especially at $60 a barrel. Keep tuned in because this is just the start of the year, and I think trade is only going to get much more hostile, especially in the realm of Russian energy. There you have it, folks. Another episode of Monday Madness. Energy ties into every part of our lives. Consumption, geopolitics, investment, transportation, manufacturing, technology, science, agriculture. The list could truly be never-ending because it fits in anywhere. This is why Rare Petro believes it is so important to stay up to date on these current events regarding energy wherever you can. It is a ridiculous world out there, but if we boil it down to the data and patterns and history and trends, we may be able to peel back the curtain and see a few more steps into the future, and that could become advantageous in countless ways. Let us do the research. All we ask from you is to frack that follow button so you don't miss any of the aforementioned enriching content. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro. Until we see you next time, take care everybody.